His final day before the cross, he started that day and we've really uh, been imagining ourselves walking alongside Jesus in those final moments and um, we see that, uh, that Jesus spent it in a number of different ways. We've imagined entering into his life, into that scene. And why we're reflecting on this last night, this last night before the cross, we're reflecting on that because that night is the most important night in the history of humanity, and in the history of salvation. Just as we think about Easter morning as that victorious day, right? What a day, the greatest day in history, Jesus is alive. But we can't understand Easter Sunday without the last night before the cross. Easter morning is the greatest day in history. Good Friday, the night of the cross, is the most important night in the history of salvation. Jesus went through a night, but joy came in the morning. And we see here, how did Jesus spend his last night? And we're going to, together, we're going to be reflecting on the last night of Jesus on Good Friday, on April 15th, here at 6.30 p.m. We're going to have a special prayer service, reflecting on the last words of Jesus and the last moments of Jesus. And then on April 17th, at 11 a.m., we're going to be having our Easter celebration service here, followed immediately by a time of brunch and celebration together. But we see, how did Jesus spend his final moments before the cross we started reflecting on that a few weeks ago where we saw that that final day began with Jesus just showing up, showing up to ordinary moments and he made those ordinary moments into holy moments and eternal moments. He was anointed at this place called Bethany by this nameless woman who was invisible to so many but she was visible to Jesus. She didn't have much but she made much of Jesus. Then last week, we talked about how Jesus chose to pray in Gethsemane, to be in the presence of the Father. He spent his final night before the cross in solitude before God the Father. And he prayed the greatest prayer ever. He prayed for you and me, and he prayed to God the Father, Lord, may your will, not my will, be done. And on the last night before taking the cross, as we read here this morning, Jesus was arrested. That means that Jesus had to wait. Just imagine that. On the last night before his death, Jesus had to spend time, precious time, waiting on God. Jesus knows one thing, and he's found peace and strength waiting on God because he knows this one thing to be true. He knows that everyone and everything and all circumstances, that all of those things are really just middle management. But God is in charge. God is the one who has the final word and final outcome. Jesus was waiting on the next steps from God the Father to fulfill his mission on the cross. Jesus knew that God was up to something bigger. God was up to something greater. And yes, in the waiting, there was pain. In the waiting, Jesus experienced betrayal from his friend Judas. You know, just a word on Judas. And um, 
I, I one of my favorite <laughs> books, I'm, I'm a big Bible geek and theology geek, and there's this giant volume called The Church Dogmatics by one of my favorite uh, theologians, and he writes like 80 pages on like what could have been with Judas. <laughs> I know, but... I'm a Bible geek, I love that, you know? And he talks about Judas as actually, Karl Barth does, as Judas probably the most wasted potential in the history of humanity. And in fact, there's an amazing thought there when thinking about Judas, right? Especially if any of us have ever wondered, only if I had more proof, only if I had more evidence, only if I had a better community, I could get closer to God. What if it doesn't start with what's outside, but it starts with what God is doing inside? Remember, Judas had the greatest pastor, the greatest teacher, the greatest community, the greatest knowledge, and the greatest evidence for God, and the greatest proof for God, and Judas still betrayed Jesus. Maybe that's why Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. Jesus found peace and strength waiting on God because he knows that everyone and everything, including these challenging circumstances, all of that is just middle management. Again, what do I mean by that middle management? We're going to be unwrapping that together, but I think you have an idea what middle management is. It means that God is in control Everything and everyone else is just in between that. You know, I'll, I'll give you some insight into my morning prayer for wisdom every morning. And this is from my own journal that I pray every morning. And this is something God taught me, just that God is sovereign. God is in control. Everything and everyone else is really just in between. This is part of my morning prayer for wisdom every day. I say this, I say, Lord, I trust in your power and in your everlasting goodness and joy. Today, God, I invite you into every single aspect of my life. Make a way and bring it all together, O oh God. Everyone, including me, is just middle management. Help me to see your sovereign grace and your providence in every direction, to my left, to my right, before me and behind me, you have the final word, O oh God, today and always. You know, I really didn't start using these, this idea of middle management until it started to become a reality to me. And really seeing that uh, this has been proved over and over in my life. But all that means when I say everyone is middle management is this. It means that God is in control. We are not. God is in control. I'm not. You're not. There's only one that has the final say on outcome. And I remember one time when this became very clear to me what it meant that there really is middle management and that we always have choices and that ultimately God is the one who holds it all together. But my first job as a waiter, when I was 17 years old in a restaurant, I've told some of you this before, but it was in Southern California, in Fullerton, California. And in that part of Southern California, there was a large Filipino community. And this is when I really started learning what the difference between a real boss and middle management was all about. 
but I worked with um, mostly the Filipino community in this restaurant. And I got to learn some of their language and some of their slang. In fact, uh, we had in, in Tagalog, we would have some endearing words for each other. I would call some of them like auntie, which means ate. And um, uh, there was uh, one lady who actually was a worker there. And her name was Miss Mary. And at first, I would do everything that Miss Mary would say because she was demanding and she would tell me to hurry up and she carried herself like a real boss lady. Like I thought she was in charge. I still hear her words today. Carlos, come here, take out the trash, go clean up, go take these tables, clean those tables, all of that. And I was yes, Miss Mary, whatever you say. And I really thought she was the boss lady. I thought she was the one in charge until one of my coworkers, her name was Cheryl, who was all, she was around my age at the time, and she was also a part of that Filipino community, and she took me aside, and she shared with me, and I'll never forget it. She just said, you know what, Carlos, do you know that Miss Mary is just middle management? She's not your actual boss. She does not have the final say on what you have to do. What? You mean I have a choice? Yes, you always have a choice, said Cheryl. Wow. Well, if that's the case, then I'm going to give Miss Mary a piece of my mind. (laughs) And I'm going to tell her what I really think about her. No, I, I didn't do that. I didn't have the courage to. And I'm glad I didn't because Miss Mary, Miss Mary was really scary and intimidating when I was 17 years old. And it's been 20 years, and I think I'm still a little afraid of her, to be honest. <laughs> I can still hear her voice in my head. But what did I learn? I always have a choice. You always have a choice. Everyone between you and God is just middle management. I'm not the boss. You're not the boss. God's the boss. We're all middle management. And we can save a lot of heartache, a lot of energy by just embracing that. I, you, we are not in control. God's in control. Yes, we all have important roles to play, but there is only one ultimate boss on the throne and God Almighty will not share that throne with any person, with any situation, with any circumstance, with any tradition, with any cultural practice or any idol in our lives. So what exactly is an idol? What is idolatry? Romans 1 tells us that Idolatry is really worshiping the created instead of the creator. It is worshiping the gift rather than the gift giver or the giver of the gift. Or as I've described it here at Imago before, idolatry is what we get touchy about when God and others try to touch on it. What's that thing for you? What do you get touchy on and suddenly really uncomfortable about when someone tries to touch on it or when God says we're going to go there. That's the idol check in our lives. 
And oftentimes, the idols in our lives, they can be not only the ugly things or the worst things in our lives, but the idols in our lives may be the things we considered the best and the most comfortable in our lives. The idols in our lives can be those things which we depend on the most. Interestingly, right, there's a, there's a very fine line between depending on something or someone and dependency on something or someone, right? That's the idol check. Things that we treat as God even though we know they are not God. The material things, the certainties, the ideas, the customs, which we would be completely devastated if they were taken from us. In this passage that we read this morning, there are two idols that Jesus is dealing with. There's the idols of greed and deception from Judas. Judas was deceived by others, and Judas also deceived himself. Then there are the idols of self-righteous anger and wrath from Peter. If we see here, Peter actually thinks that he's doing the right thing. He thinks he is standing up for the truth. He thinks he is doing what is right. Yet before gaining any clarity on what was going on or what God was doing, he took out his sword and he cut off the ear of the soldier, of the servant of the high priest. Jesus then rebuked Peter for doing that. And he said, as it says here in verses 52 to 54, Matthew 26, 52 to 54, it says, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? What Peter was doing here is Peter appeared like he was doing the right thing. It appeared like the good religious thing at the time. But Jesus calls him out on his motivations. Not just on what he's doing, but how he's going about it. Jesus knows that Peter was driven by the idolatry of self-righteous anger and self-righteous wrath. Peter was trying to do a good thing the wrong way. And in fact, that's one of the definitions for wickedness. Wickedness is looking good without being good. Jesus is not fooled by the deception of Judas. Jesus is not impressed by the self-righteousness of Peter. Jesus is abundantly clear of one thing on his last night before the cross. He knows that God's the boss. We're all just middle management. God is up to something bigger than we can think of or imagine. And yes, I'm sure that the betrayal of Judas really hurt Jesus profoundly. Yes, the self-righteousness of Peter was just another example of missing the entire point. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be the last way that I would want to spend my life on this, the last way that I would want to spend my last night on this earth with a betrayer and with an arrogant person. But Jesus knows 
that God is up to something bigger to restore all things in heaven and on earth through the power of the cross. Friends, brothers, sisters, that pain, that disappointment, that betrayal that you've experienced, God sees it. God sees you. My prayer is that, just like our Lord Jesus, that we would not get distracted by that, that we would not be deceived, knowing that all of those things, they're just a blip They're just a tiny mark on the much, much bigger masterpiece that God is working on in your life and in mind. As it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love another uh, translation of that. The New Living Translation actually says, for we are God's masterpiece, or the Greek word poema, poetry, art. God has created us in new, in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago to do. Jesus knew that there was a bigger mission, there was a bigger purpose on the cross. This attitude of Jesus holding on to that reality of everyone around him being simply middle management and focusing his energy on the call of God the Father. This is an attitude, this is a posture that Jesus invites us into. If we want to discover our mission or our purpose in life, we need to not only look within We need to not only look without to the expectations of others. Remember, we are all middle management. So instead of just looking within, instead of just looking at others, may we look to God. May we ask God to help us discover our mission and our purpose in Christ. I'm so grateful that our Lord Jesus Christ kept his focus on God on God the Father, and in the greater calling on that last night of taking the cross. Jesus could have done all kinds of things. Remember, we always have a choice when it comes to dealing with middle management. Jesus could have gotten distracted. Jesus could have given in to the deception and the betrayal of Jesus Jesus could have gotten frustrated by the self-righteous arrogance of Peter, but instead Jesus chose not to focus on the betrayal of, of Judas or on the distraction of Peter. He chose to focus on the calling of God. Because here's the reality. Sometimes following God's calling requires intentionally ignoring distractions. Sometimes following the calling of God requires deliberately disregarding the deception of the enemy. In fact, I've had opportunities to learn and develop some tools in spiritual warfare and, 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 and fighting in that, right? As it says in the New Testament, our war is not against flesh and blood. And the tactics of the enemy will always be the three Ds. It starts with deception, then distraction, then discouragement. Does any of that sound familiar? 
our war is not against flesh and blood. But here we see Jesus intentionally ignore, deliberately disregard in order to focus on the call. Jesus didn't focus on middle management. He kept his eyes on the prize and took his orders from God. Our God and Father, the creator of heaven and earth, the one true loving boss, the one true mighty king. So today, friends, brothers, sisters, just let go of the distraction. Put away the deception. Deliberately disregard the discouragement in order to keep moving forward just as Jesus kept moving forward on his calling on the cross. Let's pray as we prepare for communion. Thank you, Lord for the cross. You did not let deception or distraction hold you back, but you chose to press on and to save us and restore all things in heaven and on earth back to God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So today we're going to take time to celebrate the sacraments we're going to take a moment to uh, do as Jesus has called us to do, to remember him at this table that he has called us to do in remembrance of him. This is a time for you to center yourself and refocus your thinking. Refocus yourself from the distraction, from the deception, from, the de from, from anything else that's holding you back this morning. I'm going to guide us in this time, but right now I'm going to give us some intentional time to just quiet our hearts before the Lord, and then I'll open up our time together. Just quiet your heart. Come before God. Come before God the Father. Enough of the middle management. Just go directly to him this morning as we prepare. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper which we are about to celebrate is a feast of remembering, of communion, and of hope. Amados en el Señor Jesucristo, la Santa Cena que estamos por celebrar es una fiesta memorial de comunión y de esperanza. We come in remembering that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into the world to assume flesh and blood and to fulfill all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death of the cross. Recordamos que el Padre envió al mundo a nuestro Señor Jesucristo para que tomara de nuestra carne y sangre y para cumplir por nosotros obediencia 
a la ley divina hasta por medio de su muerte en la cruz. We come to have communion, common union with this same Lord Jesus Christ who has promised to be with us always even to the end of the age. That means no matter what, forever and ever. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread and he strengthens us into life eternal. In this cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear any fruit in this life. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are actually a pledge and they're a foretaste of the feast of love of which we will partake when we are in his presence, in his kingdom, when that has fully come, when with unveiled face we see him face to face and we be, behold him where, identity is, where, where our identity will be fully in the image of God and our purpose in the image of Christ made like unto him in his glory. So as we prepare for this meal, this is Jesus' meal, and he invites all of us into it. When if we confess our hearts and believe that Jesus is Lord, this table is for us. Let's go ahead and pray a prayer of thanksgiving. God, would you send your Holy Spirit upon us as we pray that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and the blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him, we may attain the unity of the Father and grow up into all things into Christ Jesus our Lord. And just as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf, and these grapes have been gathered from many fields into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on this same night that we're reading about, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. El Señor Jesús esa misma noche que fue entregado tomó el pan y dando gracias lo partió y se los dio a sus discípulos diciendo tomen, coman, este es mi cuerpo que por ustedes es partido. Hagan esto en memoria de mí. Then in that same manner he also took the cup when he had supped it saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Esta copa es el nuevo pacto en mi sangre. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for bringing us together. This morning, may this cup and this bread represent your real presence with us here and now. We pray, Lord, and we confess that we have done what we have done as well as those thoughts and actions that we've left undone. We thank you, God, for the gift of your table and of your hospitality. Thank you, Jesus. This time is for everyone. 
the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, let each person examine himself or herself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is a time of rest, reflection, and receiving. Today, may we trust and declare faith in Jesus. You can take part of that as you come forward with hands and hearts open to receive. You can also receive prayer during this time. This time is for everyone. At this time, I'm going to invite some of our communion servers. I'm going to invite Elder John Jones and Elder Nick from one of our partner churches to be able to come forward and they will be serving the elements this morning. One will be to the left, one will be to the right. And um, as you come forward, they will give you the body of Christ and the blood of Christ uh, broken and shed for you. Friends, brothers, sisters, this is the table of Jesus and this is the feast of God for the people of God. So as you are ready, come forward and receive of the bread and the cup. And then after you receive it, go back to your seat and together we will take part in both. Let's come forward for communion.
together as one body, we're going to take of the bread and of the cup. Friends, brothers, sisters, this is the body of Christ broken for you because he loves you. Let's take and eat. Friends, brothers, sisters, family of God, this is the blood of Christ shed for you because he loves you. Let's take and drink of the cup together. Let's pray. We praise and thank you, O Lord, that you have fed us at your table. We are grateful for your gifts and we are mindful of this common union, this unity that we have been called into as members of your family, as brothers and sisters united in Jesus Christ. We offer to you our prayers for all people. God of compassion, we remember before you the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely and isolated, Lord. We pray, God, for the victims of injustice and all who suffer in this world. Today, Lord, we pray for the people of Ukraine in the world, Lord Jesus. We pray for those in Mariupol, Lord, for those in Lviv, for those, Lord, that are looking for shelter, for a home. Jesus, would you be that shelter, God? Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you are not afraid to step into, Lord, the scary things in our lives. And thank you, Lord, for these eternal signs that you have given us here in the Lord's Supper. The hope of the gospel through communion. Lord, we see the message of the gospel here, Lord, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's in your faithful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We may be seated. And that will conclude our, our time of online worship for our online live stream. And we'll continue here with uh, those present in our time of worship today. And um, 